is a thing We started our friends It was cool but it was all pretend Yeah, yeah Since you've been gone You're dedicated, you took the time Wasn't long till I called you mine Yeah, yeah Since you've been gone all you'd ever hear me say is how I picture me with you. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Best Week Ever. I am your host, Van, and I'm so glad to have another beautiful week with a returning guest, Emily Beijing from Old Millennials Podcast. I had so much fun talking pop culture with her and I cannot wait to continue this relationship with Old Millennials Podcast, collabing with them and hanging out with them in real life. It's been so much fun talking to them on DM and meeting them in person. So I know you guys are going to have a great episode this week. But before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to touch base on what I'm watching. Obviously, I will talk about my main topics of what I'm watching on the episode but I did not mention Selling Sunset season six I've been cringe watching it first episode it starts off with empanadas and uh Chrishell and their dialogue was just so cringe like them trying to be funny with their jokes I was like not high enough to watch that scene but Obviously, I love the show because I am a huge decor, home decoration, and renovation um, slut. I love those kind of shows like Love It or List It, um, House Hunters, any sort of like housing show where it's like renovations, like tra uh, Trading Places. Do you guys remember Trading Spaces? That show, I used to love watching that as a child. And I feel like there should be some sort of podcast that talks about that show. Because I know there has been some certain, um, you know, fights with neighbors where they're not... Because I remember some of those home renovations. And they were not as great as we all remembered it to be. Because I just remember this one house where, like... It was all blue and like they were like gluing things onto the wall and guys I, I'm pretty sure they faced a lot of lawsuits so <laughs> like they had to move on to the makeover edition which I'm pretty sure has another lawsuit to itself as well but yes I've been watching Selling Sunset it's kind of boring I mean like their drama is not really that dramatic I love the fashion obviously Chelsea trying to produce the show by bringing in some drama and it didn't really work out for her I mean it it's it's very very cringe this season and yeah I miss Maya I'm only up to episode six guys so I haven't fully watched the season that's why they're probably not on my best week or worst week list because I haven't finished the season yet but I did end it with Brie finding out that Nick Cannon her baby daddy is having like found out with the group of girls right there and then that Nick Cannon 
got another girl pregnant. That is drama that I want to kind of see just because I want to know more tea into the Nick Cannon and why he does this of it all. And the women try to get into it. Um, but yeah, Brie is very interesting. Very, very interessante because she is a white woman who lives in LA, but really gives off that she cannot not not but um gives off that she is not white that she can be something else I don't know there's like discourse about that and I don't like to talk about a woman's appearance she's fucking hot and beautiful but I did question on like what her background was and to find out from Cara Berry and everyone's business but mine that her mother is Italian I was like oh okay okay um but yeah selling sunset besides the fashion and the homes the storyline is just not like am I really supposed to believe that Jason is like head over heels with this 24 year old woman and he's like 45 like ugh, gross and Chriselle with G Flip, like, that's very interesting. Like, I liked getting into their relationship because I was curious to see what it their relationship is like. I've read some Reddits about G Flip, so it was very interesting to see them together. Um, yeah, Selling Sunset. P- please DM me if you guys are watching because I love the discourse. All right, guys, please enjoy this episode with me and Emily, where we discuss who's having the worst and best week ever in pop culture. That's all you ever hear me say. Welcome back to another week of Best Week Ever, where we decide who's having the worst and best week ever in pop culture. This week, I have my lovely guest, Emily Bajan from Old Millennials Podcast. I am so excited to have her on. How are you today, Emily? Van, I am so excited and so great. I am just like, this is a long time coming. So I'm just really happy to be a guest on your show. Well, I've had so much fun being a guest on your show, like um, being there for Anna Nicole Smith. And recently we had recorded for Celeb Salacious Affairs. And I had so much fun just talking to you guys about like 90s celebs and 2000 celebs who had like cheating scandals that literally today would be talked about differently than it was back in the day. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just every time we have such a good time. We recently got to hang out in real life, which made me very happy. And Margo and I are already talking about coming to see you at one point. So anyway, it's just been a true, wonderful podcast friendship. I, I love it. And I am so excited to talk about more pop culture, especially present day of what happened this week. Guys, you know that we start off with the worst week category and then we end it with the best week with a happy note. Worst week this week on honorable mentions. Who did you have? Okay, I've got two people. One, I'm sure this is on your list because we've talked about it, are the Anna Nicole Smith leeches out there um, and just everyone involved in making this terrible documentary, which I watched not knowing going in like who was involved. And I kind of wish I'd done my research because I came out of it very, very angry. <laughs> I wish I... So I feel like all of us got duped into this documentary because the minute yes. that it came out with the trailer, everyone was hyped up. Everyone just saw like it was just so um, gullible of us to like fall in for that kind of clickbait trailer of it was just visuals of all Anna Nicole in the early 90s. And we all thought it was going to be like a true um, story portrayal of what she had to go through. And honestly, I have her for my, um, not have her, but I have Netflix and whoever produced this horrific documentary as my worst week runner up. <laughs> but yeah. um, I want you to go first on why she is your honor of uh, why the documentary is the honorable mention for you this week. So much like you, I thought because they had done a really good job with the Pamela Anderson documentary, like it was a real labor of love from her kids, like they did a really good job, you know, reframing what she went through in the 90s. Um, and they were so, you know, they showed a lot of grace to her um, that I thought a similar figure, um, albeit a more tragic one, uh, would get the right treatment um, from Netflix for a documentary. And instead, um, yeah, I was just really disappointed by it. It's just like every single person who's been known in the past to be someone against her, you know, best interests uh, came out of the woodwork and, you know, made, they, they painted these people out to be supportive, loving um, the good guys in this situation. Um, and I just think, yeah, like this, this ended up being, not the documentary that someone like Anna Nicole Smith, who is a really interesting and important topic and person to talk about, uh, deserved. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was off when right from the beginning, her uncle was narrating it in the beginning of yes. the documentary where I was just like, this to me already feels like um, it was people who's ever in charge was interviewing whoever was willing to give the story and I also behind the whole documentary of it all I wonder if Cameron Diaz was paid $50,000 for the mask since we now know how much um yes oh it cost to make the film for Anna Nicole and lo and behold she chose Naked Gun we all know that she chose that movie because she's in that movie um but can you imagine if Anna Nicole were to be in the mask? And I, my top question is, Cameron, were you paid $50,000 for the mask? Because that is ridiculous, a leading role 
$50,000. Like, $50, even for Anna Nicole to be like, I'm sorry, I feel embarrassed. Like, no, bitch. Like, you deserve more. And I can't believe in the 90s, like, her by herself, like, like stood up for herself. You know what I mean? Like, that was empowering. That was so empowering. And I'm glad you brought that up because that, to me, was a very shocking moment, knowing that that's what they were offering her. I do wonder if they offered, if Cameron Diaz was able to negotiate a better deal, but even if she did, I can't imagine it would have been significantly better. So knowing like at most Cameron Diaz was probably paid, you know, early hundred grand or something like that. Not, not very much for a leading role in a Jim Carrey movie, which was box office gold in the 1990s at that point. Uh, I just, to me, that was very shocking. Um, and good on her to your point for sticking up for herself and knowing her worth at that moment. I thought that was amazing. Also, the fact that Howard K. Stern's sister was interviewed. Oh my God. Literally made me raise my eyebrow where I was like, tell me that Howard K. Stern was part of this without telling me that he was part of this. I know. I was livid and just I hate that they portrayed Larry Burkhead to just be this piece of shit person who has not Mm -hmm. done a good job raising his daughter out of the spotlight. Like let's, let's, let's call it what it like. He has only ever done, you know, one or two interviews in the last couple of years. He's remained mostly out of the spotlight. Um, I watched a like 48 hours or something like that type of special on Anna Nicole when we were doing our episode a few years ago or a year ago. Um, and I remember just feeling like he seems like a good dad. He has kept Danny Lynn out of that world. Um, and, and she seems to be a somewhat normal, normally adjusted kid, given the circumstances under which she was born. And I love Uh, how he gives her, gives Anna Grace as well by like also doing like you said there's certain times where she's not in the limelight um her daughter like the Kentucky Derby is a tradition for them because that's where they met Anna and Larry Burkhead um it the Kentucky Derby and I love that he does that because I love to see her grow Danny Lynn and Mm -hmm. just exactly like her mother to the T. Like, especially in the beginning of the documentary, when she went back, um, she's saying like, this is Mejia. And I was like, Oh my God, your daughter went to Mejia. And like, that's, it's weird to see the correlations, but I didn't know that Larry wasn't part of this documentary at all. So that should have been like a red flag for me there in the beginning. Um, Also the bodyguard Momo spoke so well of Howard K. Stern. I felt like we were being gaslit into thinking that he wasn't an enabler when we both have seen her reality show and have Howard manipulate the shit out of her. Like we on camera. I will put the link on the show notes. Um, I was talking about Anna Nicole Smith on Old Millennials podcast. We did such a great job just like talking about how much of a piece of shit Howard K. Stern is. And the fact that these people came out, they had to have been paid so much money yeah. In order for them to be like, you know what? It wasn't all Howard K. Stern. Anna knew that at the end of the day, it was Anna's choice. But like we all seen in her reality show of Anna Nicole where he manipulates her 
and like enables her to the point that she changes her mind and goes back on and makes it like his choice you know what I mean like yes that makes sense (laughs) yeah I just think yeah it was such a spin job to like make him out to be the sympathetic one who always had her interest at heart um and and didn't manipulate her the way it was blatantly shown week after week on the show and so it just and and I p there are people who are in that documentary that kind of shocked me because I always felt like her bodyguards gave like good, like a good relationship vibe to her, but yet he agreed to be a part of this Momo and uh, yeah, was blatantly supporting Howard K. Stern. Like, I just think this was, this really exploited her. And um, yeah, it just makes me sad because I think she is a really good, uh, she would have made a great subject of a documentary on her and, shame on Netflix who has done, you know, some decent documentaries. Again, the Pamela Anderson one was really good. So for me, I'm just, I'm shocked that they would have gone the complete opposite direction uh, for this Anna Nicole documentary. Apparently, according to Ashley Ray, she's a comedian and well-renowned TV like critic she says that the best documentary that she's seen of Anna Nicole has to be like the 2020. Yeah. It's an episode. It was really um, good. So I want to go back and see if I can find that. I'll put it on the show notes as well. I heard it's on Hulu, but yeah, this documentary was such a bummer. It was a letdown. Um, I highly, I mean, which sucks because there was just so much footage that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. um, I didn't know was out there like her whole Missy, um, her best friend. Like that's another story, too, where yes. I feel like she was telling like I do really feel like she was telling the truth of her story with Anna Nicole. But I also feel like she probably got paid under the table some sort of amount of money as well. I agree. It I just agree. gives out so much shadiness to it. And like the it's smoke and mirrors, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just the whole biological family thing. So she meets her biological dad and the, her biological, like, I think it's her half brother is interviewed. He, there were times, even he seems to have given her more and it wasn't great. Cause it's like, he kind of believed her story, but didn't fully believe it. But he seemed to be a more supportive person to her than some of the other people who were in her inner circle that they interviewed for this uh, documentary. So that it was just, it really frustrated me. Um, I shame on you, Netflix, like people deserve better. Anna Nicole Smith deserved better than this. Oh, way better. And I'm hoping that hopefully in the future, like she will not she, but like there will be a better documentary. Like I'm pretty sure there's a pissed off director, like especially like a woman director who's like, fuck that. I'm going to make mm-hmm. a better documentary <laughs> about Anna Nicole. Um, for That's a really great worst week honorable mention. I'm glad that we both got that on our list. Uh, for my worst week honorable mention, I had to give it to Johnny Depp's teeth. I don't Ugh. know if you guys have seen him <laughs> toting around the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, my God. It's happening this week. And photos of Johnny Depp's teeth have surfaced. And fans, I don't know if I call them fans, but people yeah. in the media have a lot to say. And, well, 
it's not good. He's also received a seven minute um standing gross ovation. He yeah. um is so gross. Who cares? Amber Heard has been literally looking amazing lately in Spain while Johnny Depp's mouth is like rotting. But ugh, guys, I will put the photos. It's so disturbing. And I <laughs> it's like a train a train crash. You can't look, look away. You can't, but you need to. You need to. No, I'm glad you brought him up because um this is where I gotta hand it to Brie Larson. Because on the flip side, she was asked about him because she's on the jury and she was like, why is this relevant to me right now? Like she was, you know, in a, on a panel for something else. And they're trying to get her to say something. Cause she's a huge supporter of the me too mo- movement. And she did a great job deflecting the question and not in a way that like makes her a bad person, but in the sense of like, this is not her responsibility to have to comment on some horrible man's, you know, behavior. I feel like um, her karma is really um, showing in the red carpet from the fashions that she's yep. wearing. I, I'm really disappointed that she did respond in a rhetorical question by like, what What does this have to involve me? And it's like, well, you've kind of been like, you know, the not I don't want to say the spokesperson, but you've like, yeah were one of the many women who were part of that movement and for you to say that is kind of like I don't know I think she a better question a better answer or response would have been better than what she gave in my opinion you're right I I, you know and I agree with you to to that on that front like I'm glad you point that out because I think I was in, in my sense, I kind of saw it as a, like, she doesn't owe us anything type of thing, but to your point, she has been such a face of the movement, um, that I think it, it makes sense like that. She should have said something about this. Um, I, it, but it's uh, what I don't like about the Cannes film festival in general, like this is my problem with, with France as a whole, yeah. <laughs> this is, it's, it, they give a lot of power to a lot of men in Hollywood who, and in the film world in general, who are general pieces of shit. Like they love Johnny Depp still. They, they love Roman Polanski and let him still release mm-hmm. films in France. They still uh, respect and celebrate Woody Allen. Um, so his films get distribution in France still. There's just a lot. Um, I've, and I've said this before, cause I've talked about it with Margot cause you know, we both have French parents, but like, I've always thought like, it's such a weird double standard. Like they're the first to be, you know, call Americans chaste and prudish for not showing nudity or being, you know, uh, kind of puritanical with how we show things in film. And I'll agree with them on that, but then there's such a male gaze to everything. And so much of the film world there is controlled by men who are often blatantly sexist. And um, it just is, says a lot to me that these horrible men are so revered, revered still in France um, and still get to walk red carpet, still get to be, um, you know, distribute films. And I guess Johnny Depp, it's not even just France, it's globally. Like there were just so many people who sided with him and it's just, it's disappointing because I, yeah, I just, I can't believe that we are continuing to um, go after people like this, uh, victims of domestic violence. Yeah, no, it was definitely disappointing to see the glorification of all the men, because you're so right in the films, 
uh, the Cannes Film Festival, like I know Natalie Portman had quoted at the fact that like the women are just supposed to be behaved a certain way and like men get to do clearly whatever they want and have no repercussions or um, accountability or like consequences for their actions. But when it comes to like a woman, like I remember um, Lindsay Lohan in the Cannes Mm -hmm. Film Festival, like Mm -hmm. that's how I pretty much remember um, that festival because of like the boats and whatnot and how hard it is for them to get off of it. But yeah, it is pretty predatory how the men in that film industry especially are just glorified. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Who is your worst week runner-up? So I am going to say, it was very hard not to say worms with mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to say Taylor Swift's PR team. Uh, they, so she just announced a new version of the Midnight's album featuring a remix of Karma featuring Ice Spice. Um, people were very quick to point out that Maddie Healy laughed when he was on a podcast, when the ho- a certain podcast where the hosts made really racist and inappropriate remarks about Ice Spice. And this is on top of all the racist homophobic remarks he's made over the years. Um, so I think for me, it's like, you know, her PR team in the past has been able to recover from things pretty quickly. I think that there's, I hope, you know, I think, and I, I hope that there is a turning point here. And I say, this is someone, you know, you and I've talked about this. I love Taylor Swift's music, but, um, you know, I think there's a certain point where for someone who's made such a big deal about, um, being a feminist about reclaiming her masters after a man bought them from her or, you know, took them away from her and owns them now. Like for someone who has made such a big deal about being a feminist at points, um, you know, I think it's like things like this. I know we, there's a world in which we shouldn't have to, people shouldn't owe us anything, but I think for someone like her who makes such a big, um, it makes such a big deal out of being a feminist, out of being someone who uh, advocate, you know, is, is, is so supportive of other women to date someone who say met, made such crass remarks about other women, um, about other people. Like it just. And there's I, so much footage of him just being yes, an absolute yes. schmuck, especially yes. I've seen an interview where he was like, asked, um, they were, they were just doing a simple interview and he was just like, wow, you're really like basically saying she's too hot to ask a question like that because she, she, it was a really smart question. He's really fucking sexist. Like, and there's just so much footage out there of him, not even being sexist and misogynistic, but like racist and like super, I mean like the ice spice really, pissed me off because I love Ice Spice so much um she's that bitch for me um and yeah yeah so she's releasing a so she's released a few versions of her album Midnight's and this new one that's coming out with additional tracks will feature an updated version of Snow on the Beach which was a duet with Lana Del Rey but mostly featured Taylor so this one I think is going to be more of a duet and then it will have a remix of Taylor Swift's song Karma that features Ice Spice. So that, that was announced either today or yesterday. Um, 
And that's where more of this discourse around Maddie Healy came up where it was like, well, not only does he suck for making all these comments and it's been heavily documented, he's also literally been on a podcast where the hosts made such awful remarks about Ice Spice and he just kind of sat there and laughed at it. Um, which which tells me that she knows. like She does. She guys, like, I'm pretty, she's self-aware of what's going on and I feel like that's just the, a stump right there where she's bringing ice spice to collab with her it's it's so weird because you she, know i'm i'm trying to figure out because she is that calculated bitch she's, where she's so calculated yes with me so i'm like trying to figure out what's her fucking next move like, i know what, why is she pulling this move because i understand with the whole Joe Alwyn of it all, like, I get that story where, like, I guess they were friends and there's a um, record where Joe Alwyn said his favorite band is 1975. So it comes, it shows me that maybe it was him that did the breaky because a lot of this to me is kind of PR where it's great for Maddie, where he can probably erase all that um phobes that a transphobic islamophobic guys it can the list can go on and on of how much shit this guy is and i i really do think like taylor are you pulling like some sort of stunt on us because like what is your next move what and she's so quiet about it because she hasn't announced a single thing she's just like yeah i'm gonna collab with ice spice and it's like okay so you know that matt healy is a piece of shit so that's why you're having ice spice collaborating with you okay like speak on it there's nothing (laughs) I it's just like I'm expecting her one day that they're walking on the street and then there's a bucket of tar and feathers that just like (laughs) drops on him like that's all I can expect at this point because there's really to your point I too have been thinking about the angle and I have been a partial gayler at times so I really thought that at one point with midnights like this was she was going to come out at one point Mm -hmm. um she is not. And, uh, I, especially with a song like lavender haze on her album and then breaking up with Joe Alwyn, I really, you know, she claimed it was about lavender haze was about like some sort of chemistry and relationships and showed a bunch of heterosexual couples on her Instagram leading up to the release. But I really like for anyone who's in like the LGBTQ community, the color lavender is very much associated with, gay and lesbian people and so it's it's very interesting to me um she plays around with a lot of that imagery and puts it into her music um and yet you know there's things like this that continue and like it is very difficult for me to think of another angle especially so I saw Maddie Healy open for Phoebe Bridgers in LA a couple years ago so I, I was in LA in like 2021 I saw Phoebe Bridgers at the Greek and they had a surprise opener and it was Maddie Healy uh, with a guitar. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> this is, you know, at the time, like I knew about some things, but I didn't really know a- enough. I just kind of th- saw him and I was like, all these girls were swooning and I was just like really not into it. <laughs> was that in the around the time where he was literally making out with fans in the front row? Like, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. And then he, I mean, they like, it's, it's a very strange, I don't know. Like, I think that sounds right. It's that whole friend group. Like it's evolved. Like Taylor's friend group has evolved very interestingly in the last couple of years. 
um, to include Boy Genius, Haim, and like several other people. And I have so many questions about it at this point. Um, and, and yeah, for me, it's just been interesting to see so many people that like the company that Maddie Healy keeps from a friend standpoint are people that I admire from a musical standpoint. Like I love Phoebe Bridgers. I'm seeing Boy Genius in July. Um, and Phoebe Bridgers was just last seen behind um, Nicole Kidman's like TikTok <gasps> video making oh out with Bo Berman. And the yeah, same thing. Like I'm always thinking because I don't like Maddie Healy and then you have this strong feminist Phoebe Bridgers like being buddy buddies with him where it's just like, is this because music production wise, like you guys have to be seen as like your friends? Like I don't get that I have a story to share with you Van so that <laughs> concert I attended at the Greek Phoebe during that tour was performing a cover of Bo Burnham's that funny feeling at during a lot of her sets she performed it that night and allegedly Bo Burnham and Lorena Scar Scarferia I forget how you pronounce her last name were in the audience that night cut to a year and a half later, they're making out at Taylor's show. <laughs> that is crazy. And like the whole Paul Mescal out of, of it all too, like makes me so sad for him. Like I, I love him just because of the move um, after Sun. I love him so much. Let that beautiful Irish heart find himself a nice rebound. Yes, but yeah, the whole, I don't know. We are, we have to just keep our eyes peeled for whatever Taylor Swift has up her sleeve because this is not over. There's mm -mm. a reason why this relationship rebound, whatever you call it, is happening. Truly. Who is your worst week winner in pop culture this week? My worst week winner is Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Ron DeSucks. Ron DeSucks. You know, we talk about karma is a bitch, and I realize it's the name of a Taylor Swift song that is being re-released with Ice Spice, but it is also... <laughs> The theme of this week, because a piece of shit man tried to announce his 2024 piece of shit campaign on a piece of shit platform, Twitter Spaces, which I forget exists because it's Clubhouse 2.0. And that was something that was important to me for about two months in 2021. Um, anyway, the campaign was supposed to be announced Monday night, and then there were 25 minutes of excruciating technical difficulties, followed by an awkward audio only exchange with Elon Musk. I love to see this awful man suffer, whether it be via D Disney's legal team snark or a friendly fire from quote unquote free speech advocate Elon Musk and his platform that is failing because he laid off almost the entire company. It is satisfying that this went about as well as the Love is Blind reunion. <laughs> I love how he thought that he broke the internet. I was just like, what? No, sweetie. I don't think you know how that works. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, I hate that man so much. And ugh, the fact that Florida is like now the place to not want to spend your time in when I know Florida is like a beautiful place and it has beautiful people in there too. Like, I just think of 
my girl Flyshy, who's from Miami, and just so many other people like Miami Girl, Vanderpump Rules, guys. I have to put that. Yeah. <laughs> but that is such a great worst week winner. He sucks. And yeah, I it's gonna be really interesting to see him and Trump like go at it. It is, it's going to be idiot, sees idiot, idiot <laughs> yells at other, other idiot. And I just, I just think it is, uh, it is amazing that this man somehow has both drag queens and Disney coming after him. Two groups of people, two camps that may have not always been in the same room are now strange bedfellows in this fight against <laughs> this awful man. Oh, it's the worst. So for my worst week winner is actually a pretty sad one. I have to give it to Tina Turner, who passed away at the age of 83, the queen of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Mick Jagger posted a sweet goodbye. Her documentary on HBO Max came out not too long ago, and it is simply the best. This so is truly bittersweet. And I just love that at the end of her story, because like, honestly, reading on her and Ike, um story is horrifying like I just think about her children where mm -hmm. she literally had to like give not give up on them but like she had to like walk away in order to survive yeah um, I love Tina Turner so much just because of her like memoir alone and yeah um her story is amazing she's given us so much and she has just so many epic stories with the most legendary people that you can talk about like Eric Clapton Jimi Hendrix um Mick Jagger just like I said like she had a relationship with John Lennon at one point um she I highly recommend reading her her memoir guys it's one like truly is one of my favorites and she just has so much tea in pop culture back then and I know I've talked about this on the pod on your podcast in old millennials um where uh the patty boyd and george harrison and the eric yes. relationship i love that's what i guess that's why i love the whole vanderpump of it all because it's mm -hmm. very much like 20 years from now people are going to be like where were you when that dropped you know yes and i think about you know, Tina Turner being with John Lennon, like in that era, like we're to be in that crowd and knowing that 20 years later, it's just that is history for me that I love to learn. Um, but yeah, um, I know worst week winner is probably for like the worst of the worst. But like for me, it's just like a sad because um, to me, 83 is still super young and she was still kicking it. And I know her. Uh, passing is not really concluded right now but I know about a month ago she did say something about her kidney and um, yeah I forgot another disease or her blood pressure she didn't know like both of them can be really effectively bad so it's interesting because I put her in my best week in the sense of I, for my best week, I'll, I'll go into it more later is women who redefine themselves despite terrible things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and for me, like, so when you talk about her life, um, I'll put, I'll put my Tina Turner notes in this, like she reinvented her life and her career at 42 in the 1980s. This woman 
was 42 in a, in a world that, that, that promotes youth being white, being attract, you know, being, being young and white and male, a 42 year old black woman was one of the biggest stars in the world at age 42 in the 1980s. She sold Private Dancer, which she recorded in a week or two, sold 5 million copies. She would sell out arenas, like in the same arenas the Rolling Stones was sell were selling out. And then found love with a younger man in the late 80s. Oh, yes, and I love and, him so much. <laughs> I know, me too. He gave her a kidney when she hers was failing a few years ago. She had started looking into um uh you know death with dignity and potentially you know going um dying at that point um so she wouldn't have to suffer and he was like i love you so much you are the woman for me for there's no one else but you he gave her a kidney and there was this post i saw on facebook where someone said you know for someone who who had a man take so much from her and hurt her so much to find love later with a man who gave her so much was just like so beautiful um, in some ways. And I just, yeah, for me, it's, it, it, it was for me tough to, to put her in best week ever, but I think I put her in best week because I, I celebrate her life, but to your, I, I too was very sad because I, I love Tina Turner. Margot loves Tina Turner. We, we both have seen that documentary and talked about it. It's, um, it's fantastic. Everyone should check it out. Um, yeah. I just, no notes. I absolutely love Tina Turner. Uh, I, I mean, she's the queen of like rock and roll. Like I, I, ugh, I love her so much, but yes. Um, we will move on to our best week category guys. Um, I was literally like crying when you were like describing her husband and her, cause I just love their story and yeah, me yeah, too. guys, you see the documentary so you can understand why we're sobbing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> best week honorable mention I have to give it to Chris Pine going out mm. <laughs> out with all the other writers striking the um right I can't even talk right now because I'm looking at him and I'm blushing oh. Chris Pine <laughs> is such a great man I've been seeing so many photos of him with so many writers comedians um just who's ever supporting the writers right now on the strike down in LA in New York but Chris Pine literally is just like yeah pay your fucking writers and he is one man where I had I question sometimes where I'm like am I attracted to him or he's or is he just beautiful you know what I it's mean? all the above god <laughs> yeah it's like Vanessa sometimes I feel like you should join my text conversation with Margot because <laughs> we literally were texting we're going to LA next month we want to go to the writer's strike you know obviously to support the WGA but we're also like if we happen to see Chris Pine handing out empanadas there <laughs> we won't we won't complain. <laughs> I mean, that will make the trip complete. Like, I would, I would be happy to go home after that. Like, what else can I ask for? The fact that he's handing out empanadas, guys. I'm Colombian. I literally make my famous cheese empanadas for my uh, friends all the time. So, mm. you know, that was like a plus for me where I'm like, is he hanging out with a Colombian girl? Because I would love that for him. He's he just would. so... The fact that he dated, he is so well known for like being just a date 
monster and not in a bad way because I just think of Vale from Vanderpump Rules she was like a hostess there <laughs> yes. fine, where I was like so we do have a chance you know <laughs> <laughs> you know but, I yes I support, I support that. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the dude for just being like wow he just like I he he has you know his taste has range <laughs> I for he is someone who I just time and time again anytime I learn something new about him for the most part I just I find him so incredibly charming and smart and just like let me tell you those pandemic photos of him coming out of an independent bookstore with a mask on and a bag heavy full of books uh I swoon so whenever I see a Chris Pine professionally in films and everything I already swoon uh, but Chris Pratt in the wild, or sorry, oh, excuse me. No, Chris Pine. Opposite. Wait, opposite. <laughs> opposite very hard. Opposite. Oh, God. Do not try to read that as a Freudian slip. I assure you it is not. <laughs> Chris Pine out in the wild. Whenever we see a paparazzi photo, it is always just even better. Like I just find myself, it goes from a like to a love very quickly. I swoon. Have you I seen- pine for pine. <laughs> Have you seen Jury Duty? No, and I am dying to because I know <laughs> there's a there's a scene where like and like Chris Pine and James Marsden actually like um there was photo of it just d not DMs of comments and I want to say it's probably on Instagram and they kind of um tit for tat of like which Chris was it in the show. <laughs> <laughs> um and of course it's got to be Chris Pine because like who else would it be of course <laughs> who is your best week honorable mention Jason Momoa and the just the fast x cast in general but especially Jason Momoa his performance I I saw the movie on Sunday I describe it to my dear friend Sarah Richardson as a cross between Heath Ledger's Joker and Jack Nicholson's Joker it is camp yes yet deranged it is fun a fun time it's I mean just he is a campy star in this and it is like when people did a terrible job um understanding the notes on camp assignment of the Met Gala a few years ago I I am sad that Momoa was not invited because his performance was just in camp a a a a masterclass in camp. He is fantastic in it. He is funny. Um, you know, Momoa has range, and I I feel like he has not gotten to fully explore that. So I just hope we get to see more of him in this type of role because he is very fun. So Fast X is that the last of the whole Fast and the Furious series? Or- I am glad you asked, Van, because <laughs> originally it was going to be part one of two. But according to some tweet I read where someone interviewed Vin Diesel on the red carpet, he is claiming it'll be a three-parter now, which take my money. It is a uh, fine time, family fun. I love it. Uh, I love that this movie franchise is so ridiculous that the nomenclature in, in terms of how they name sequels makes no sense whatsoever. There is no connection at all. They are all named differently. Um, and uh, I just, I love that they have, you know, every single movie people come back from the dead 
people defy the odds. Um, they defy gravity. Uh, they defy like what is humanly possible for someone to do. Um, including, you know, if you've seen Hobbs and Shaw, the rock suspends a helicopter in the air with his bare strength. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it is, I like, and, and the behind the scenes drama is worthy of a Ryan Murphy miniseries. Like, I mean, Bet and Joan Who, like it is just uh, Betty and Joan Who, like it is just, if you have not invested some time in watching the Fast franchise, I realize that it does not come across as one that you would think someone like myself would be into. And yet I love it so much. It is so fun. So silly. Um, and it's pop to just culture. Forget. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you like. I know um, you said that it's out of order, the whole series, and I remember seeing it in the correct order, because if you guys Google it, you will see the correct order of which way you're supposed to see these whole entire franchise of Fast and the Furious, and you'd be surprised that you were watching it the wrong way this whole entire time. Yeah, and also the behind-the-scenes drama, because, you know, Vin Diesel and The Rock do not talk to each other they're not really family like the whole movie it's about <laughs> and the oh it's pop culture because of the music who's mm -hmm. in the who features in the in the movies like I love that Ludacris is in it mm -hmm. I love that um there's Tokyo culture as well like the drifting and yeah I just me as well like you guys would be surprised but honestly not because like it is such a good franchise series of movies because it hits the music, yep. visually pleasing, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's all about family. <laughs> it's all about family. I mean, grab a Corona with your family, <laughs> make some plans this Memorial Day weekend for a barbecue, uh, and you know, go go spend a few hours in the theater and watch a, a little bit of fun, a little bit of movie magic. And now that you're telling me that Jason Momoa was like Chef Kiss in this film, I kind of want to see it because he is comedically hilarious to me. Like, so I love good. how funny he is, like nonchalantly funny, too. Like, you wouldn't expect that from a big lug of a guy like that, you know? Oh, but he's so good. I didn't <laughs> expect it. I, you know, and he was just he's a great villain. He plays such a good villain. I love that. For my best sweet runner up, I am giving it to Nelly Furtado, who, by the Ooh. way, Man Eater came out 17 years ago today. <gasps> I am so old um, in so the world of Jamie Lee Curtis in Freaky Friday. Uh, <laughs> she is teasing new music. She was in an article, well, in an interview with Fault Magazine, and she is teasing new music on this interview. This is also her first photo shoot in six years, which I did not know that Nelly Furtado was that out of the game, but I've been seeing her slowly crawling, not crawling back, but coming back into social media with some TikTok dances and um, her just um, giving her opinions on other people's music on her Instagram as well. And I just love that the fact that she has 18 new songs coming mm -hmm. out in this album that she's working on right now. Nelly Furtado is like, we really do not give that woman her flowers. She was everywhere in the everywhere. 2000s and it's everywhere. I'm not saying like fly like a bird but like man eater 
that girl had range where she can literally be this sunflower Alanis Morissette uh, lyricist of a writer when it comes to her music but then she would be with Timbaland mm-hmm. making hits and beats with mm-hmm. um like with Justin Timberlake and whatnot like she literally is the queen when it comes to like she reminds me of like Candy from Real Housewives of Atlanta yes. like Re- reinvention just yes. like I I like I appreciate someone who can come in um, and has the range to your point to to release I'm like a bird a song that I still will sing at the top of my lungs if I hear mm-hmm. it me too. Uh, but but also you know releases a man eater releases like that entire album is just such good beats such a good dance heavy um album plus she not that we should glorify people for looking fantastic or whatever whatever age but she does not look like she has aged a day it not like at Oh, <laughs> the fact that she's been gone for six years, I'm like, okay, so like, were you dancing that one day? <laughs> like, because you look exactly the same. Has she been in Dancing with the Stars? I would love to see Nelly Furtado. Oh, um, she'd be so fun. She would be, uh, that would be <sighs> such an amazing cast with her and Ariana Maddox. Oh my God. (laughs) I would love that. I, and the other thing I was just thinking, you know, speaking because Missy Elliott was um, announced as one of the uh, inductees of the rock and roll hall of fame. People don't talk enough about the get your freak on remix that features Nelly Furtado. Um, You all should take a listen. I don't know if it's on Spotify or on YouTube, but there's a, a really fun remix that came out of get your freak on when, when that was a hit song with Nelly Furtado. I do remember it. Because it was like a radio edit. Yes. Me. <laughs> yes, me too. Yes. I, ugh. yeah, I'm so excited for her comeback. I love how all like my favorite 2000 girlies are having a comeback. Mm-hmm. AKA Shakira saying no to Tom Cruise. Love it. Love I it. Love it. <laughs> love it. Who is your best week runner up? Side chicks. Uh- Ooh. They're having them. Yeah. So, so here's why, I mean, the cut published, I think it was the cut that published an article called side chick summer, uh, because it's been, this month has just been a month for side chicks and granted they're not getting great press, uh, uh, Raquel, Rachel, certainly not, (laughs) but queen, you know, Camilla became a queen. (laughs) uh we've got carrie on succession at the funeral um and it's by the way i'm behind on succession but it is hard to keep away from spoilers so i saw all of that um and then of course lauren sanchez got engaged to jeff bezos uh one of the the who was the side chick and uh you know and i i just say like they may not be liked, but good God, you know, some of they're getting, they're getting their due on a fictional TV, reality TV and in real life. Truly. I, the fact that Jeff Bezos has a statue of her on the front of his yacht, like it's an aerial little mermaid movie yeah. is it. I don't know. That relationship is so weird because like she was quote unquote, the homewrecker, right? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. 
I, for me, what I love about that divorce is that Mackenzie Bezos came out looking like a superstar. She committed to Warren Buffett's whatever pledge where she'll donate however much of her um, fortune to uh, various charities before she dies. Um, She has donated, she is Planned Parenthood's largest single donor to date and in her next marriage, she married a high school chemistry teacher. And I love that for her. I do. And I love like that she's always cleaning up his mess. Mm-hmm. Not that like she has mm-hmm. to, but the fact that like she provides and basically like is like, oh, he did that. Yes. <laughs> like, let me fix that up for you. Like, yes, she literally is a savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, side chick summer, man. I got to be careful then because, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the fact that my husband is so in the know with the Vanderpump rules and I was just telling him because I'm re-watching it and I'm re-watching it with another like, you know, a fourth eye, you know? Yeah. Um, and the fact I, I told my husband, I was like, the fact that he cheated the night that the dog died. Oh my God. The body wasn't even cold yet. I was hugging my dog. And oh I was my like, God. You never do this to her. And yes. <laughs> yes. So it's funny you say you're rewatching it. So I watched Vanderpump Rules bits and pieces, but Scandaval has really prompted me to watch it in its entirety. And so I am going back and watching every single episode. And it has been so fascinating watching it with a set of eyes that I've been watching here and there. I watched the most recent episodes, including the reunion, which I watched before we started recording, just so I would know exactly what was going on. But rewatching with this set of eyes has just been like, you know, we 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 come out of season one thinking, you know, Jax is a piece of shit. This person's a piece of shit. And then you're like, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet like it just gets this it is um it's a very interesting uh franchise just because or just show because yeah it, it really does feel like the men on the show are trying to one up their each other in terms of shittiness it's incredible really oh like he's the number one guy like the number one guy <laughs> is tom sandoval i mean the fact that tom is so dumb to not know that he is been on national tv for the past decade knowing that history can repeat itself and we have the evidence of him repeating himself on yes he acted towards kristen dowdy and he yes to gaslight his way into doing the same thing with automatics like oh no you cannot do no her like no worry fool I mean, I was just happy to see Ariana and Kristen hugging it out and like her to come to her side, like um, in the finale, like girl power, girl power. I think that what's amazing to me is very quickly, apart from Raquel, the women are all getting hip to one another, smart uh, in terms of like what we're bought, you know, drama, what have you. They're all putting it past them at this point to like link up and just be like fuck you all for your behavior that is some trifling bullshit like I just love that these you know people have buried the hatchet and it's kind of like I don't want to compare it to the WGA strike because that would be very inappropriate but I mean that in the sense of like all of the other unions out there are standing in solidarity with the WGA despite in the in the past you know there may have been conflicts and things people are realizing that it's it's 
you come for one of us, you're coming for all of us. And there's a little bit of that in Vanderpump Rules, albeit a much lower stake. I want to preface that to the people listening to this podcast. I am by no means comparing these one-to-one. I just mean that there's some parallels in terms of how people are linking up. And I love to see it because I love the strength in numbers with the women of Vanderpump Rules right now. And speaking of the women of Vanderpump Rules, um, my best week winner is Ariana Maddox. For yes. Getting the bag, looking good <laughs> at the reunion. Yep. Winning in everything. Yes. I also have to give some shade to Lisa Vanderpump because I cannot believe the fact that, and as I said, I'm re-watching this season just to see my fourth eye. And the fact that, the way she spoke to Katie about Schwartz and their, like, it's really so contradictive of how she's speaking to Ariana with Tom saying, like, well, it's more like it, the way she talks about Tom is like, boys will be boys, you know, yes. like, we have to deal with it. And it, yes. it's like, do you not know, like, that is the problem and you are the problem and you're forgiving? Yes. Bad, dangerous narcissistic person that he is is like you're literally you are enabling him to be okay with how horrible he is I yeah I that I feel like there is a point I I hope that there are people you know we outside of this are calling her out and I just hope that the women on the show can start calling her out because yeah there's just this like I'll still love you. You know, you did a bad thing. You're not a bad person. But, you know, when you start to do that bad thing multiple times, it kind of points to the fact that you might not be a great person. (laughs) I mean, I think the women slowly are like side-eyeing LVP. Like I saw it with Ariana Maddox where she was Mm -hmm. like, well, I'm going to keep my distance. And you know what? Good for her because she should keep her distance Mm because we all know how... LVP is she can be a little bit of a meddler I'm seeing it with James and Raquel right now um but yeah I would be the same way where it's like no you don't understand I don't want this person around me anymore and knowing Lisa Vanderpump I just feel like she's siding more with the boys but yes best week winner with Ariana Maddox she is killing it I know she got some heat this week apparently for doing an ad for looking like she was moving out when really she was just fixing her finances and um, having an advertisement for it. And I'm just like, who cares? She she's making money guys. Mm -hmm. She, she has to leave this house. How else is she going to leave this fucking house? Like (laughs) truly got to get paid. Truly. Who is your best week winner? So it's slightly Ariana, but it is women who have redefined themselves despite terrible things. So we talked about Tina Turner. We just talked about uh, Ariana and her taking advantage of uh, every opportunity right now to make the money she deserves. We want her to be independent. We want her to you know, be able to take control and to live a great life without Tom Sandoval. Um, another person who is doing great uh, and redefining themselves just by terrible things is Kesha. She released a new album. She literally named Gag Order, a nod to what she has gone through with Dr. Luke and her tumultuous legal battle. And unfortunately, she's still under his label and had to release it under his label. 
but she gets to release an album called Gag Order. She did a, a show, I believe, at a, an art gallery in LA. Um, and uh, I'm always happy when Kesha gets to release new music. Um, I've always been a big supporter of hers. Um, I think she's very underrated as a musician and what she went through is so horrible. Um, so I'm always happy to see her do well. And then the final person is I just saw on Instagram today that Ina Garden posted that it's been 45 years since she uh, bought the Barefoot Contessa store in the Hamptons, decided to leave her life in D.C. as a, a nuclear policy writer and start a life of owning a store in the Hamptons and then becoming the domestic goddess that she is. I love her. I just love the memes of her. I love how people have t-shirts of her. Like yes. she's an artist. Well, she is an artist. I mean, the fact that <laughs> I did not know that about her, that she was such a brainiac before yeah. just being like, yeah, I just want the simple life of owning a store. Like that's a dream, right? Like <laughs> totally, totally. Yes, I I love that. That is such a great winner for wi women in STEM, guys. Women in women STEM. In STEM. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are at the end of the show where I ask my guests what their favorite song is in the 2000 to 2010. Your favorite song came out in 2003, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone. Please tell me, where were you when you first heard this song and what makes it your favorite today? Well, Van, I just realized I very unfortunately gave you a wrong year there. It came out in 2004. So I apologize. That's on me. Oh, that's a year off. No worries. That's a year <laughs> off. But uh, I remember I was probably in a car in high school with a friend when I first heard that song on the radio. And it is just that entire album Breakaway is incredible. It's just like hit after hit, no skips. I just... Kelly Clarkson, I can't say enough good things. If anyone ever tries to shit on Kelly Clarkson, I will come after them. She has incredible tone. She is vocally, technically an incredible vocalist um, and just a really like kind person. Apparently, I think there were some recent allegations about some behavior on, back, behind the scenes on her show. And she very quickly got in front of it. Um, I think they're moving to the show to New York and like immediately, res you know, responded with like a, a, a like post on Instagram and a statement. And we love someone who doesn't try to sweep anything under the rug looking at you, Ellen DeGeneres. Like <laughs> we, you know, I, I just, yeah. I can't say enough good things about her as a person, her music career. Yeah, she's just great. Oh, my God. And talking about women redefining herself, she's coming out. I mean, she teased us with her on social media that she is coming out with a new album where it is her divorce album and it's going to be super emo, dramatic. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I am ready for whatever chorus we're going to be belting out next because she is a queen of hooks like yes. literally like since you've been gone um there's i'm going blank right now stronger is one yes. of my favorite ones like oh, obviously so but i still... hazel eyes oh my god there's just so many and the fact that she was the first contestant like of american idol winner and yeah, that's 20 years right there. That is pop culture history. And yeah, Kelly Clarkson, the fact that she came out with, that was her first album, Breakaway, right? And it just has so many one hit, like not even one hit. The whole album is a hit. 
she worked, I think, with Cara DeGuardi on that album, um, who's a big like pop songwriter of the 2000s and like just incredible songs. I mean, Breakaway was an Avril Lavigne pen song. It was originally going to be a break, uh, Avril Lavigne song. And then Avril, I, either Avril decided it should go to Kelly Clarkson or the label pushed for Kelly Clarkson to get it. And I've heard the Avril Lavigne version and it just doesn't hit. And but Kelly Clarkson just sings it so beautifully. And coincidentally, it's on the Princess Diaries 2 soundtrack, which features our boy Chris Pine. So <laughs> connections. I want to watch Princess Diaries 2 because it's been a very long time. And I completely he's also in that movie with Lindsay Lohan, like the luck. That's my luck. Yes. <laughs> That's how I know him to be. Like, he was so hot and cute in that movie. I know. Uh, he's so adorable. The range. He can the- play action, he drama, comedy, rom-com leading. Man. Like, he's just, he's a dream. He's I don't a dream even boat. like Dungeons and Dragons, but he's in it. And I know it's going to be quirky and funny. And, uh, like, he already looks so hot in it. Like, come on I'm. Now. I can't wait to see it. So a fun fact, I did do, I had never played Dungeons and Dragons in my life. And then uh, during the pandemic, I played for like one campaign and I didn't do it again, but it was kind of fun for like, you know, we had nothing else to do at home, like go on Zoom with some friends and play. And I love that that movie is directed by um, Sam Weir from Freaks and Geeks, like the little brother. He's (gasps) one of the directors. I was like, I thought, talk about like a full circle moment. He's probably like the only child actor that I love seeing like today as an adult. Like Me I know too. he was in the waiting movie. <laughs> yes. But oh the, my God. Yeah. The fact that like behind the scenes, like, yeah, productionally he has been like surrounding himself with great people. And yeah, I just love that guy. <laughs> Me too. Emily, thank you so much for being a part of my show. I'm so oh, happy yes. that you got to join me this week. I had so much fun. Can you please let my listeners know where they can find you? Yeah. So you can find me um, at the old millennials pod. If you want to check out our our podcast, I co-host it with my friend, Margot Poupard. Uh, we do uh, popped culture from the nineties and two thousands. And uh, you can find us on Instagram at the old millennials pod. Uh, individually, you can find me at, um, it's spelled like begin and juice on Instagram, but I'm Bayesian and juice. Feel free to follow me there. And on Twitter, I am at Emily A. Bayesian begrudgingly because Twitter is just sometimes a bit of a shit show, but yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. Um, so that's, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Twitter has been so sad for me lately. It hasn't been, I like, I don't go on it as often as I used to. It's just become a sad, sad world. (laughs) this week's best and worst week in pop culture guys i hope you had so much fun i had loads of fun hanging out with emily talking and yeah i can't wait to have her and margo back on and talk about more pop culture 
Before we leave, I wanted to put out a disclosure, a little PSA. Sean King, we all know he is a crook. Um, he is a scam a con. He is not the type of person that you want to be following when it comes to Black Lives Matter. Um, just any sort of piece of information in the news out there where he is trying to scam you into, you know, donating or giving up your whole entire savings so he can pay for his mortgage and feed his kids. Please do not give that man any money. Please stop giving that man any money. It has come to the attention that he is now facing some sort of diagnosis which by the way like I hope he's well but the fact that he is having another GoFundMe link this isn't the first GoFundMe link that he has asked you guys to click on um yes he has posted some sort of GoFundMe link to help him about his diagnosis that hasn't been disclosed but he will tell you more about it later if you just give him a couple more bucks Stop giving this man money, okay? I don't care. He's the worst. Take He literally robbed women, women of color, okay? He's a bad person. Stop giving this man money. And I'm going to end it there, guys, all right? I hope you guys are having the best week ever. I am your host, Van, and I love you guys. Bye. Since you've been gone Since you've been